0: In this corner, we have the perplexed financial services customer. And in this corner, we have the overworked, stressed-out call center representative. Who's going to intermediate and help them cooperate? Would you believe? A chatbot. All of this and more when we discuss digital bridges to banking with Soraya Randawa, head of research at Informa Financial Intelligence. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago... This is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo. Today on the podcast, we have a treat for you, Soraya Randala, who is the head of research customer experience for Informa Financial Intelligence. We love Informa around here, and we'll talk a little bit about a past appearance by other Informa personnel. Soraya oversees the firm's team of researchers that help banks, credit unions, and fintech firms around the globe adopt the most successful digital banking strategies across mobile and desktop platforms, assessing individual digital journeys across multiple channels. Soraya, welcome to Bankadelic.
1: Lou, great to meet you and great to be here.
0: I would love to get your opinion on this. How fast digital has accelerated across mobile platforms, across support tools. It seems like we're living out a period right now because of COVID where it has just accelerated beyond belief. What do you see going on and why do you think it matters?
1: It's interesting that you mentioned that. You know, we've always been tracking digital experience and digital channel usage for a very long time. And I think the one thing that we track is the change in that. When I think the sort of pandemic struck, The one thing that we saw was the increasing engagement with our customers, uh, with our clients, who were hungry for more information in terms of how to help their customers more immediately. Digital was the absolute natural place for this to happen. I think, you know, you will have seen that, for example, J.D. Power would have said, I think, that even mobile banking had increased when they thought about the big four banks from 63% in customers using mobile apps in 2019 to 72% in 2020, right? So we're seeing a rise and we're going to see that rise continue mainly because when we think about covid if you're in lockdown for a good number of months, you're probably engendering some human behavior change, right? And you know, it's only something like an externality, like COVID, that would put that human behavior change, because simply, there are no other channels available for a certain period of time, you couldn't go to the branch. And if you even tried to call the contact center, they were telling you not to. In fact, Perhaps sometimes you might have been put off from calling a contact center because the lines were crowded. You know, there were 10, 20, 30 minute, even 50 minute waits to get through. So for me, this is something that really has created that boom in digital usage.
0: Soraya, your call is very important to us. Please continue to hold the estimated wait time on Bankadelic is 50 minutes.
1: (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) right? So do you want to go, you know, straight to a chatbot or maybe a goods page where they answer some of your questions? Or do you want to go and wait 50 minutes for something to happen? I just think this was something that banks were always thinking about, how do I get customers to adopt digital or more customers to adopt digital? COVID was the single greatest externality that created that need.
0: You mentioned chatbots, exactly where I wanted to go with this conversation. Where do you see the most efficiency in using that tool to really help customers?
1: At Informa, we sort of look at chatbots in 4 prong aspects. So the first kind of early stage development of chatbot is help and support bot and they act as that support specialist it may be where the customer will go for initial queries right then you kind of move to the transactional bot where the bot can actually do something for you they can move you to a different page they may even be able to make a payment for you then you kind of move to two areas where they can actually be a true virtual assistant so perhaps making a money manager and then also perhaps like a complete virtual assistant where they are a sort of a platform player that they, they may go omni channel on you So where we see most bots right now are what we call sort of the help and support bot. And for me, in some occasions, this is good enough for customers because what we can see the bot's doing is acting and triaging the customer's issue. So they may be thinking about, well, what does the customer need help about? They may have some canned responses and the customer can navigate with the bot and then come to a certain point. They can also act as, you know, a way to transfer the customer to a live agent and then make that transfer a little bit easier because they're also capturing that information for the customer before the live agent gets them. And the live agent then has that information. So I do think the most useful bots are the ones that have great NLP, a good knowledge base. They speak the customer's language and they understand that customer's talk about banking in different ways because machines talk about banking in different ways and humans don't necessarily naturally speak banking. You need that sort of translator in that place. So I think good bots can understand what customers say, but also move them to the correct place.
0: Exactly. If you go cold into a call center, the rep, once you've reached them, has no idea why you're there and has to learn that from scratch. If the bot doesn't work, it's a dead end. But the bot... Can take that information, prepare the call center rep, and you get the best of both worlds.
1: You know, how do you create a great transition from the bot to the human? And, you know, as I've kind of said, it's really telling the customer when the access to the agent is going to be available. So, you know, managing expectations how long is it going to take? And then making sure your bot captures those essential pieces of customer information to build that customer case. So exactly what you said, Lou, you don't have to get onto the phone and then for them to log what the case is about. That case is already being built. And at least your nature of inquiry is there. And, you know, you could do that with, as I said, auto-generated buttons, some specific questions in there, even some trigger words, right? So we know, for example, some banks will have trigger words like fraud or security risk. And some of those actually prioritize the customer in terms of going to speak to an agent. So those things is where bots can be really helpful. And the other bit, which is okay introducing the human being at the other end of the line, you know, so how you show by an image or a name. What I really like in one of the experiences I've had was that the person at the end of the line said, you know what, can you hold on for a second? I'm just reading your case. I'm just reading your information before I come in and answer your question. And I thought that was such a great transition because it showed me that they were taking the time to read through the information that the bot captured before they went and spoke to me. So I think that's what makes a great transition.
0: Isn't that phenomenal? And there is nothing more frightening than when a representative says, can you please hold? And suddenly there is a click and you're waiting and you're wondering what they're doing. Maybe they're finishing a conversation about Tiger King or something with a colleague. Whereas when they tell you they've gotten information about the case, they need to read that. It makes for a much better customer experience. And yet that is so subtle, isn't it?
1: It is subtle, but I've even seen that translate well, you know, on the screen basis. So I've seen handovers where they've gone and they've said, it's usually more the fintechs that I see over in the UK who do this really well. They go look, I'm probably not the person who's going to be a handle case, but I'm going to hand you over to another person and you get another you know, speech bubble, you get another person. And in just seeing, as you said, the subtlety of seeing that speech bubble to see that that person has changed, the person who is an expert in the area that you need, that you have that transition, is much better than the click, right?
0: Speaking of where we can go, contactless and digital payments are the wave of the future. They're here, but not everybody's clued in give us a peek.
1: So I love how you've asked that question. You've said it that it's confusing. I often like to look at things in two ways. One, from as an outsider, someone who lives outside of the United States, I can see payments on a global basis and how different providers, different FIs, enable customers to make payments very easily. So when I look particularly at the payments rails that many US consumers are facing, it's actually quite confusing. So for example, when you go into a secure site or an app, you have to figure out which payment costs the most, okay? Which payment is right for the person or the company or the channel that you want to put that payment in. So it's actually quite a confusing process. So for me it's the consumer has to think about, well, do I use bill pay for this? Do I use Zelle for this? Do I use a transfer for this? It's pretty confusing. I think you're absolutely right. One particular institution has done this this year and that's Chase. They took bill pay and they took Zelle and they combined that into one journey. So it didn't matter whether it was bill pay or Zelle, it was just one journey. And the key thing for me is you're moving money from one place to another. What you as the customer need to tell the bank is, here's the person or the company or the institution I want to move the money to, right? This is how much I want to move. And this is when I want to move the money. Now, I always think, does the customer need to know the background in there? Okay, maybe they need to know the fee. They need to know what the cost is. Maybe that's it. But they don't need to know all the stuff that's happening in the kitchen, And I think that's what I really like about what Chase did, which was they made it simpler for the customer. They were really focused on making the customer journey sort of more unified. And I think that's where we really need to go with digital payments.
0: You have read my mind. We don't need to know how the sausage is made. Some of us care. But as consumers, we just need to be able to get from point A to point B, and we assume That because we care so much about it, we have to tell consumers about it, or we have to guide them through it, and that really just wastes their time.
1: I can't agree with you more. So if I take you to the future, right, and the future is happening now, I always say this, the future is happening now, and the future is happening in Asia. When I look at brands like Alipay, like WeChat Pay, phone pay in India, so Alipay and WeChat Pay in China, phone pay in India, They have singular unified journeys. They focus not on, you know, this kind of payment, that kind of payment. They focus on the use case. They focus on the context. So do you need to pay for a cab journey? Do you need to pay for movie tickets? Um, Do you need to pay someone? Do you need to actually walk up to a vending machine and pay using a QR code? So you're just using the app to do all those things. And you're not confusing the customer. You're just focusing on what the customer need is.
0: As we wrap up here, a little bit of a personal question. You're a proud mom. You love to help your sons with their homework. It's something you even mentioned on the bio for the show. Have you thought about the world they're going to grow up in, in terms of financial services, what they might see, what they will see that we haven't realized yet?
1: Uh, I have to say, I think my kids are ahead of me, right? <laughs> my son, <You> too, huh? <laughs> my son, my son is telling me, "Hey, mom, I need to have two FA for the PlayStation account, right?" Um, <laughs> so that's my that's that's my eleven year old telling me that. <laughs> they are so used to engaging on digital. Right. So whether it's buying an upgrade to, you know, the Minecraft game or, you know, I don't even know what they buy, but I just say yes. <laughs> um, and
0: <laughs> You too. <huh? laughs> boy. We have a lot of commonalities as parents. <laughs> and I got to tell you, my daughter just the other day said something. I can't even remember the names. So I'll make it up. Well, dad, you've never been on the insecticide platform. Have you? It's the newest thing. You know, forget about zip and ripcord and all those other things. <laughs> Like, I haven't heard of any of those. It's amazing. It's stunning how far in front they are of us.
1: I think you raise a really good thing. I was thinking, because my oldest son loves Fortnite, and he talks about V-Bucks. And for him, that's the currency that he cares about. You know, I've read in many places, well, when we think about loyalty payments, when we think about cashback, that generation is going to be engaging with digital currencies. And his digital currency is a Fortnite beatbook. That's what he wants to earn. He wants to get new skins. He wants to, you know, buy new weapons, whatever he wants to buy on that. And so it's also rethinking, you know, what a payment is and what things can buy. And what they buy may not actually be physical. It's actually virtual, but it's equally of importance for them. So I think the truth is they're already engaged in this world, more so than many of us and many of our generation, because we're still thinking about money and payments and something physical. They're probably thinking About mom, a skin that's $20 is worth just as much to me as perhaps, you know, a handbag to you or, you know, a box or a book to you. It's a very different mentality.
0: And I know there was one other thing you wanted to share with the audience. Tell us.
1: The one thing I want to say before we sort of wrap up is all the stuff that I've been talking about today, you know, in terms of what brands are doing to help and support, how chatbots are working. All this stuff doesn't come naturally from my head, right? Another part of me being a proud mummy is also the kind of work that we do at Informa on our digital banking hub. So we have that sort of information, that sort of overview with the full user experience that brands provide or that competitor brands provide online is all captured by this really high visibility platform that we have. So for more information, you can definitely have a look at Informa and do a search for Digital Banking Hub to be able to find out more.
0: Soraya, thank you so much for being on Bankadelic today.
1: Lou, I can't thank you more. It has been fantastic. I loved your questions.
0: I'm blushing over here. Soraya Rondawa is the head of research customer experience at Informa Financial Intelligence, soon to be FBX. She is based in the London area. Chip, chip. You can find Soraya on LinkedIn. Bankedelic. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C-Bank.com. Hi. Hi. I'm Luigi,
1: and I'm your chatbot. Let me tell you a story about my great-great-great-grandfather, Clippy. A little paper clip from Microsoft. Everyone hated him, and they made him go away. But I had the last word. Because while you could get rid of Clippy, you can't get rid of me. Because without
0: me, the call center rep is going to put you on hold for one hour, two hours, three hours... Three Three bullet bullet points. points.
1: Number one. The most useful bots are the ones that have great NLP, a good knowledge base. They speak the customer's language and they understand that customer's Talk about banking in different ways, and humans don't necessarily naturally speak banking. You need that sort of translator in that place.
0: Number two
1: Some banks will have trigger words like fraud or security risk, and some of those actually prioritize the customer in terms of actually going to speak to an agent. So, those things are where bots can be really helpful. Number three The future is happening now, and the future is happening in Asia. When I look at brands like Alipay, ReChat Pay, phone pay in India, they have singular unified journeys. They focus not on this kind of payment, that kind of payment. They focus on the use case. They focus on the context.
0: And now, lose views. Sarai Randhawa of Informa Financial Intelligence talked on the podcast today about payments and, off mic, about how there's a disconnect between the way financial services professionals in London handle payments, which tends to be very simple and straightforward, and the way it's handled in the United States, which tends to be complicated. It's like we speak two different languages, she said, to which I replied, yeah, one is common sense, the other is garbledygook. Now, I've heard a lot of talk over the years about the work of the Faster Payments Task Force. The Fed did a fantastic job, and those involved, including my former colleague James Grady, really helped to clarify the picture. But it was never meant to be the be-all and end-all. And as far as the work that needs to be done, we clearly haven't done enough. There's really no reason that the payments picture in the United States can't become more focused and more simple. We like to brag in America about how much intelligence we have, how we're ahead of the world in so many aspects, but in payments, frankly, we're pretty far behind. All the excuses about trying to bring together disparate platforms and put everybody on the same page, well, sorry, that dog doesn't hunt anymore. When we look at what's happening, not just in London, but other portions of the world where payments are immediate, they are comprehensive, and they have large cash limits, we have to look at ourselves and say, how can we improve this? The problem may be that too many voices are creating a noise floor where common sense doesn't get through. But just remember, in London, they speak common sense. And in America, we speak garbledygook. The two payments languages don't match. Clearly, we have a lot to learn. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carloso. You can catch me on LinkedIn and at the coffee shop thinking about another iced mocha. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.